You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Do you like to sing? Of course you like to I sing. I love to sing, yes. actually. <laughs> but to our listener, do you like to sing? I hope so. Do you sing by yourself in the shower or do you sing with others? Why is singing together you in sing community? You to your kids. I, I do. You sing yes, to your kids. I do. Yeah. During allergy season, it's really entertaining. <laughs> uh, yes, we sing, uh, we sing a hymn or a song every night at bedtime, but... Uh, uh, I've had to ask my son to lead them lately because of all wow. the, the allergies. I can't sing nearly as well, <laughs> losing some of their range. Uh, but why is singing together, singing in community, important? We're going to dig into that here in just a moment. Thanks mm-hmm. to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us by phone, the Dr. Jeffrey Blursch is a professor of music at Concordia University, Nebraska, and director of music at Pacific Hills Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, author of Singing in Community. you find that in the March issue. I know we're running behind here, but in the March issue of The Lutheran Witness. Um, but it's an important topic we wanted to, to dig into. So and it's still March. <laughs> right? It is sort of. Maybe. <laughs> Dr. Maybe Blush, not. thanks so much for being our guest <laughs> on the Coffee Hour. Uh, You're welcome. Thanks it, for having me. Always a joy to get to talk with you about music, great music, and why singing great music is important as well. Uh, are there different kinds of singing? Sure. I, I think we could always talk about singing in, maybe in two broad uh, umbrellas, uh, one being solo singing and one being singing with others. Um, whether the singing with others be in a formal setting where you actually rehearse, uh, such as a choral setting, or a, a more informal uh, gathering where you don't rehearse, such as a congregation, uh, or singing happy birthday around the table or something of that sort. Although some might rehearse singing happy birthday. I don't oh, that's know. true. <laughs> <laughs> there are those people. Um, why, why do we sing together? Well, I I think it's for various reasons. Um, I usually think of it in in, uh, several different categories. Uh, One, people sing just for the enjoyment of singing. They're drawn to that kind of aesthetic release or that aesthetic experience that comes from making music. Um, Some people, some of my students say that they they like to sing because it's a uh, release from everyday stresses and anxieties. It's a a way to kind of free themselves from their daily routine a little bit. Um, Sometimes I think we sing together for teaching and for learning. If you think back to uh, learning the ABC song, or I can remember the 50 Nifty United States song and learning the name of the states that way. And that's something that Luther certainly understood and capitalized on and emphasized that singing was a great tool for teaching scriptural truths and parts of the catechism. Um, Some people use uh, singing for healing or for therapy to deal with emotional issues or help with diminishing uh, mental abilities, too. Um, but one of the greatest benefits, I think, from singing together as a church comes from just providing a sense of oneness or a sense of bonding or a sense of community that comes with making sounds in unison with one another, that you're all in concert with one another, so to speak. Mm-hmm. 
is is there a difference uh i don't know if this is scientific is there a difference between singing together and speaking together i feel like i don't know when, when choral speaking cho- choral speaking or choral reading yeah <laughs> yeah I, I feel like uh i don't know singing together is is a is a different experience like when we sing a hymn than when we uh, recite a creed there, there's a different thing happening yeah um I, I can't put my thumb on it exactly, although uh, I, th- I think you're right. I, I, perhaps you've heard the expression that singing is heightened speech. Mm. Um, that there, there is a an aesthetic component that is added to our speech when we when we sing together, when we add pitches and uh, uh, musical metrical rhythms to our speaking rhythms. Uh, it, it changes things just a little bit. How do you think that helps us focus on the very thing we're singing, like the what it is we're singing about, whether it's God's word or or something else that we're singing? Um, how does that help us focus on it? That's a really good question. Um, sometimes I've found that it could get in the way <laughs> if if we let it. Hmm. Um, for example, um, if if I ask some of my students as a freshman. Uh, can you sing me uh, one of your favorite hymns? Uh, they'll probably be able to sing me the first line of that favorite hymn, and they'll be able to hum the melody all the way through, and they'll think, oh, this is a nice, catchy tune. I like this tune a lot. Mm-hmm. But they don't really know the text very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I always used to think of hymns myself that way, too, when I, when I was younger, that I, I like this hymn because it has a nice tune and it's catchy and and, and I can remember it. Um, but it, for, for me, at that point in my life, the music was almost getting in the way of the text, and I was I was ignoring it. Um, but when you put the the text together with the tune, if your attention is really drawn to that text, the tune can be a vehicle to help you remember that text uh, and kind of rehearse it, so to speak, and ingrain it upon yourself. Yeah, I think I think just recently, I don't know, maybe maybe since we talk about more hymns uh, with with experts and, and fellow music nerds, um, that that I pay more attention to the texts now. And some of my favorite hymn texts are to tunes that I don't really love. And that's a weird yeah. it's a weird shift. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and it I, I've known this for a while now, but it never really dawned on me until. Uh, f- five years ago, my my mother um, was was called home, and as we were gathered around her hospice bed, I can remember uh, Pastor Larry coming in uh, and bringing us hymns to sing. And these are hymns that you know I've sung all my life. But suddenly, these these words uh, took on much different meaning to me uh, as we were standing around and praying with my with my mother in her last hours of her life. Uh, like, I'll praise to thee, my God, this night, uh, the, the verse that, that reads, uh, teach me to live that I may dread the grave as little as my bed, to teach me to die that so I may rise glorious at the awful day. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've sung that before, uh, but it suddenly struck me that night that, wow, this is a powerful, powerful message. Yeah, so many, so many of our, our I don't know, well loved hymns or, or hymns that we know very really well. Uh, as as we age and as as we have more life experience, to kind of take on new meanings uh, as 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 we sing them in different stages of our lives and with different people too. They can they they kind of um, they 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 will, I don't know walk alongside us if that's a 
that's an analogy that works. Uh, as we as we age through life, we we also bring all of these texts and, and hymns with us as a congregation as well. Yeah, I, I think so. So what about uh, what about the really long hymns? Uh, fifteen with, stanzas. We, yeah, the ones with fifteen <laughs> stanzas. Do we have to sing all fifteen stanzas? No. You, you, well, <laughs> there, there is there is no commandment. <laughs> You shall sing all. Thou shalt sing 15 stanzas. <laughs> um, and I know sometimes sometimes people groan at the long hymns. Um, but one of the things to, to just think about with the long hymns is that uh, ma- many, of time, many times they're conceived specifically that way to, to tell a story, mm-hmm. uh, to teach, to teach some, some element of, of Scripture. Um, Dear Christians, one and all rejoice comes to mind. Um, great, great hymn by Luther. And if you open it up in LSB, you see 10 stanzas. And think, oh, no. <laughs> um, but if you actually read through the 10 stanzas, you realize that what Luther is doing is teaching you about why we should rejoice as Christians, one and all. Mm-hmm. He starts uh, with, with the fall into sin. He recounts the coming of Christ, the life of Christ, the, the death of Christ, the resurrection, and then the ascension. Uh, also, and so he really takes you through the whole, the whole cycle of the church year, in those ten stanzas. Uh, so to start cutting out stanzas becomes a little dangerous because you start cutting out content, mm-hmm. and you may end up cutting out the important stuff. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you know, do you have key to message. Do it? No, of course not. But uh, it, it's good to find clever ways of of doing those hymns. You know, those long hymns can be really well done in church when you're alternating between. Uh, choir and congregation, or choir and children in congregation, or something like that, um, so that it's not quite as vocally taxing on it's, any one group. It's really just our old Adam that doesn't like singing all 15 yeah. stanzas. Probably. <laughs> Good exercise in self control. Yeah, you know, I can remember even as a young kid when I started playing from the, the 1941 Lutheran hymnal, and uh, I'd open up to hymn 315. I come, O Savior, to thy table. <laughs> and in TLH, it was 15 stanzas. Mm-hmm. And I can remember thinking to myself, oh, no, <laughs> that's a lot of playing. That just means by the 15th stanza, you'll really have it down. I better get right. it right. <laughs> yes. All right, what if I can't sing or I've been told I can't sing? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good question, too. Uh, let, let, me, let me first say that I I personally do not believe... Uh, that there is anyone who has the gift of speaking who does not also have the gift of singing. Uh, when I used to teach elementary music, I noticed a, a shift that happened sometime between uh, when students were kindergarten to the time when they got to be about fourth or fifth grade. The kindergartners, if I, if I asked them if they could sing, every one of them, without a doubt, oh, yes, definitely, I can sing, I'm a singer. By the time you get to about fourth or fifth grade, they had decided whether or not they were a singer or not. Uh, either yes, I can, or no, I can't. And, and so, something in in in, the, in their development just changed their attitudes and their perce- perceptions about whether they had that gift and whether they were able to do that. And I think that carries through with us into adulthood. But I really don't believe that there's anyone who can't sing. Now, there, there are some people that maybe don't have as developed of a tone as they would like, or they don't have as developed uh, of a sense of pitch as the, the person down the row, or they don't have as developed a sense of musical rhythm as they would need uh, or would like. 
but anyone, I think, really can be taught to sing and can sing well. And when you sing in community and as part of a congregation, the great thing about this is that it's not just you out there by yourself. It's all of us together. Uh, and um, many uh, untrained voices make one glorious sound together, I think. We have, uh, we're just about out of time. No, okay, so in, in one or two sentences, <laughs> how can we encourage our family members and friends to sing boldly together? How can we encourage others to sing boldly? I, I love that phrase, uh, sing boldly. Uh, my, my colleague Paul Solick at St. John and, and Seward across the street here uses that as the slogan for, for their uh, youth music ministry here. Mm-hmm. And they just left on choir tour this morning. Uh, to go sing boldly. Uh, and I think the best way to encourage that is is to model it with your children. Uh, when when you're in the in the pews singing uh, in, in the congregation, sing boldly. You may not have the, the best tone, but don't let that stop you. Our guest today, Dr. Jeffrey Blurch, professor of music at Concordia University, Nebraska, and director of music at Pacific Hills Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Thank you so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Now we're going to go find someone to sing with. Yeah, me too. (laughs) You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth.